Thank you all for joining us here at I-80 Sports, where today we are talking about, is it really time to take the Montreal Canadiens seriously, as well as other news and notes around the NHL? Thank you all for joining us again here at I-80 Sports. Make sure you check out our website, i80sports.com we actually have a shop up and we've got merch available if you want a beanie if you want a t-shirt make sure you hit up our website for all of your valentine's day needs guys and make sure you also hit us up on twitter at i80 underscore sports nhl for all of your weekly nhl content and tom first of all just to introduce you how you doing today tom doing well doing well doing well we doing have well, a guest with us this week uh, coming to us uh, from the Twitter sphere itself, we have our friend Tyler here who is going to be our Blackhawks aficionado for the week. Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you can be found in the Twitter sphere? Uh, I can be found at Bleacher Mob Takes. Bleacher Mob uh, Takes. You can find him there. Please make sure that you follow him on Twitter as well. He's got some good takes and nightly takes on a lot of games throughout the NHL. So, Make sure you hit him up for a lot of that good information. But today we are starting first with some, you know, weekly NHL news, which, well, it's time to check the COVID panic button right now. And, well, the NHL is actually trying to make some changes on and off the ice to stop the spread of COVID-19. And I'm just going to read this verbatim from Elliot Friedman because I don't feel right necessarily paraphrasing his words on this one. So this is per uh, Elliot Friedman. If you're uh, not aware of him, make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's a really, really good follow. Uh, Number one, glass will be removed behind the benches and they are considering deploying portable air cleaners behind the benches to improve air quality and circulation. Number two, Players and coaches are no longer permitted to arrive at the arena more than one hour and 45 minutes before puck drop. All meetings, whether game day or not, should be virtually conducted. And number three, teams are being asked to utilize or create additional locker room space for themselves and their opponents with the league looking to have at least six feet between players at each of their stalls. So obviously it's it's difficult to do anything on ice. You know, it would be kind of comedic to, you know, enforce penalties, you know, for on ice contact, fighting, things like that. But it does seem like the NHL is trying their best to make the quality of life in the NHL a little bit better and to try to cut down on diseases. I'll turn it over to you guys. Tom, I'll turn it over to you first. What are your thoughts on the changes? Um, you know what? They seem to be good. They seem to, with what's happening in games being canceled. They seem like the right thing to do. Um, my one issue that's standing out here is having the refs deal with the puck going over with the glass may be at their discretion. Something needs to be done about that. They're going to need to put something up, whether it's just whether they're just going to have to get a welder to manufacture just like a like a metal bar somewhere that's a that's a certain color, like say if it's red or green, just so the refs can see where the puck went over instead of using it at their discretion. Man, it's a fast game, a lot going on. Something's going to get screwed up because of that. So they're going to need to figure something out like that. They're going to need to put up a netting, a rope, a piece of metal. I don't know what, but they're going to need something to put up there as like a barrier to see where the puck was. That that Something needs to be done about that. I'm sure they're discussing it right now, but that's really my only qualm with the whole thing. Good thoughts. Tyler, what are your thoughts on some of the changes? Yeah, I think some of these changes are very necessary to keep the spread down. 
I know the players don't like it because they like their creature habit. Like Wayne Simmons said, they're going to have to start practicing at home before they get into the rink, but it's, it's all necessary right now. Yeah, it's certainly for quality of life reasons. And I tend to agree with both of you that, you know, it's not ideal in situations for the NHL right now for, and for the players, but it's what needs to be done because this is something, and we're going to be alluding to this a little bit more in this show. This is a virus that needs to be taken seriously and needs to be handled uh, with utmost importance and care. And to tag on to what Tom was saying, you know, I need to figure out, you know, where the puck goes out. You know, there was a big game in football last night. Why don't you just put up goalposts and just, you know, they hit the field goal, then then there you go. You could just do it that way to you know handle that. Um, now, because of the spread of uh, coronavirus, uh, seven more games have been postponed due to COVID. This is actually relatively breaking news. I mean, past two weeks now, we've had relatively breaking news like each night, guys. So three Devils games have been postponed this week, so they're not going to be starting until next week. Uh, two Buffalo Sabres games and two Minnesota Wild games have been postponed due to ongoing COVID issues on uh, for all three teams. And for the Devils, in their case, they now are up to 19 players on COVID protocol. That is very, very, very rough right now. And Tom, is there any light at the end of the tunnel right now for either team? I mean, they'll get there eventually. It's just a matter of when they'll get there. You know, as we have seen a little bit, cases are starting to drop, which is a good thing. You know, they'll get there. It's just a matter of when they get there and how they're going to make these games up. Because, you know, they may come down to games towards the end of the season where you're going to have to play, you know. You may have to play three in a row, get a day off, and then play another two in a row or whatever just to make the season up. And, you know, when you do something like that, that's a that's a opening for somebody to get hurt, somebody to get seriously injured. That's an opening for maybe even a goalie to get hurt. That's where, remember, the two goal, goalie rotation we spoke about a few weeks ago. That's where it's going to come in handy. But say one of those goalies gets hurt, then what do you do? You got to pull a guy up from the minors, and will that quarantine still be in effect? And there's a whole slew of things that are going to go on with this. But you know, the positive with this thing is, is that as we are seeing, numbers are starting to drop. So fingers crossed, and hopefully this is the last we hear of this. We don't know. Hopefully it is. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a shame. You never like to see games canceled or postponed, and they are going to have to like. Like Tom said, have to play three may may have to play three games in four nights or something like that just to make them up. So it's a really ser- it's a serious injury risk, really. Yeah, it's going to be rough for all teams that do end up having postponements due to COVID nineteen. And just remember, all these teams that are currently postponed because of their own COVID issues, it's not just them that are getting postponed now. It's other teams that are being affected around the league as well. The Flyers are being affected. Boston Bruins are being affected. You know, this is a trickle-down effect that is now going to start affecting the rest of the league, even though that they are not stricken with COVID protocols at the moment. So it's going to be a situation that we're going to be monitoring uh, within the next few weeks. It's unfortunately something that we have to continue to cover, and it's going to be a weekly fixation on this show, unfortunately. But moving on to brighter topics, I did want to look a little bit before we dive into our team of focus for this week. Look at, you know, Who's hot and who's not lately? And we've got a couple teams who have been really, really hot lately in the standings. Your top team in the league right now, and this is going to make Tom pretty happy, the Toronto Maple Leafs are currently the top team in the league. And as much as I want to say it surprises me, it really 
it doesn't because they are that good of a team right now and they are firing on all cylinders. Other teams that are also doing well, I'm not going to mention the team that we are going to talk about because they're the number two team in the league right now. Uh, some other teams that are hot right now, the Bruins, the Flyers, the Capitals, all three of these teams are looking good. And of course, your reigning Stanley Cup champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning, are also doing well. And surprisingly, the Florida Panthers are finding their way through despite starting their season late. So I wanted to turn it over to you guys on the who's hot you know, commodity right now. Which team right now do you feel of the teams that I just mentioned? Which one do you feel like looks the strongest at the moment or has had the best past couple of weeks? Tyler, let's start with you. Uh, I think the Leafs have looked great. It, we'll see what how the Simmons injury really affects their lineup and stuff like that because he's out six weeks. So we'll see how that affects the lineup. But I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have played fantastically. Surprisingly, Florida has also been fantastic. So certainly, uh, I agree. I mean, we'll have to see what ends up happening with uh, the Leafs injuries for not even just Wayne Simmons, but also Joe Thornton, who they've been without as well. He's been a, fix- uh, a fixture on that first line since the start of the season. So it'll be interesting to see where he slots in when he does eventually come back. Same with Wayne Simmons. Uh, Tom, who is your you know hot team at the moment? You know what I like what the Leafs are doing as well. I watched their game against Vancouver Saturday night, man. Austin Matthews is unreal right now. Second line was also playing well with Simmons, Tavares, and Nylander, man. Hell of a second line right there. I mean, had to have two lines like that. That's a team that could contend if they keep it up. We don't know. Still early. Like what the Bruins are doing, too. The Bruins uh, Bruins seem to just decide to beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the third period whenever they think they have the game set. It seems like every time they play, Flyers carry the lead into the third. The Bruins walk out with the win. I'm, but you know what? That, that, that top three in the East right now, obviously it's still early, but it really is turning into a three-way race at the top with the Bruins, the Flyers, and the Caps. It's like a, it's like all three teams cancel each other out. The Flyers went down to D.C. the other day, yesterday, 7-4 win down there. And then, you know, D.C., the Capitals, they've had some good wins against the Bruins in the past weeks too. So it's turning into like a three-way race up top and every team's canceling each other out. So it's good and bad because it's looking like that maybe only one playoff spot will be up for grab in that East division as we wind down towards the end, obviously we're still months away from that. But if this holds up, that's what's going to happen. Um, the bolts on fire, you know, Stanley cup champions, no hangover. And I liked what the Panthers were doing too, up until yesterday, yesterday, Detroit just went in and seemed to smack them. We'll see what kind of effect it has on them in, in, in this coming week and the next coming weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to throw in another team that wasn't really on this list. And I was thinking about it a little bit more because this is a team that's about to get a big addition to their lineup. And the team I wanted to mention here is the Winnipeg Jets. And here's why. Because in the coming weeks, I think they're a team that could actually surprise a number of teams because of the amazing center depth that they now possess. You've got Mark Shifley. Pierre-Luc Dubois is about to debut. Adam Lowry has been fantastic for them as well. He has been secretly one of their best forwards on the team. Actually, a guy that I just picked up in fantasy, and I'm actually very, very happy to pick him up, especially with all the devils that I currently have out, But and also Minnesota Wild. But, you know, I think Minnesota has a really, really good chance of climbing in these rankings. It's going to be tough in the North Division amongst all the Canadian teams. My goodness, it has been fun watching the North Division in general. And, you know, segues are fun. So it's time to segue on over to a particular North Division team that has also been surprisingly lighting the lamps lately. It's time to talk about it. Is it time to take the Montreal Canadiens seriously? And 
I don't know. It actually might be. So here's some context to what we're going to be talking about here because, you know, we need to go off a little bit of merit here and we need to go based on facts and based on stats with this. So here we go. The Canadians are currently 8-2-2 two and two on the season thus far. They are second overall in the NHL behind the aforementioned Toronto Maple Leafs. It seems like a small sample size, but like I mentioned last week with the New York Rangers, in an 82-game season, yes, it's a small sample size. In a 56-game season, it's not so small of a sample size. Some other key stats for the Montreal Canadiens. They have 48 goals on the season thus far. That's tied for first in the entire league, and that's tied with Vancouver. Now, that's a pretty surprising stat. So who have been some of the difference makers? Well, let's name a few just going down the stat sheet. Uh, defenseman Jeff Petrie leads the team in points and plus minus. He has six goals, eight assists for 18. Uh, no, not 18. I can't do math. Six goals, eight assists for 14 points on the season. He is a plus 14 overall as well. Uh, another team, another player rather, that has been doing very well for the Canadians, uh, Tyler Toffoli who leads the team in goals with nine. And right behind him is Josh Anderson, who is second on the team with eight goals. And coincidentally enough, they were both off-season acquisitions. Now, who's also been succeeding for them in net? Jake Allen. Jake Allen has been a brick wall for Montreal thus far. He has five games played. He has four wins to one loss. He has nine goals allowed on 149 shots, which is good for an absurd 1.81 goals against average and a 940 save percentage. Again, he was acquired this offseason. So you're seeing a trend here in terms of maybe why Montreal is doing so well. Younger talent has also fit in very well for this team. Defenseman Alexander Romanov and forward Nick Suzuki have been looking very comfortable on this team thus far and look like one of the veterans on this team as well. Uh, that being said, there is some cause for concern and to play devil's advocate on the Canadian side. Their special teams is left something to be desired. The Canadians are averaging right now about 12 and a half penalty minutes per night. That's the second highest in the entire league. They have a problem staying out of the penalty box right now. They are currently 14th in power play conversions and 18th in penalty kill percentage. So they're middle of the road in both the power play and the penalty kill. The question becomes for them, you know, can Jake Allen keep his career renaissance up and can Carey Price turn around his okay season thus far? But that being said, with all that, I just the groundwork that I just laid out here, I want to turn it over to you guys, and I want to know your thoughts. Is it truly time to start taking Montreal seriously as a playoff contender, maybe even a Stanley Cup contender? Maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Maybe we're not. Tough to say. Tom, I'm going to turn it over to you first. What are your thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens thus far? Okay, well, um, you know what? This sort of reminds me of uh, another shortened season back in 2013. They had a really good year then. They won the division. believe they came. They finished uh, – I'm trying to think here. I think second or third in the East that year. I don't really remember. I'm having a little trouble remembering that. But, you know, it's, it's sort, sort of the same thing was going on. Very team-first approach. Didn't have one guy carrying the team, you know. Very team-first approach. One games by committee. All four lines shipped in. You know, similar thing going on here this year. Are they a playoff team? I think so if they keep this up. I definitely think they're a playoff team. Could they win a round? Quite possibly they can. They might win one round. But to say they may go to that final four, to say they may go to the finals, I don't. I, I just don't think so right now. I don't think so. The way I'm seeing the Leafs play right now, the way Austin Matthews is playing, the, Leafs, the way the Leafs are playing, and if the Leafs get, Leafs get healthy around playoff time, 
If those two meet in the second round, I just think Toronto has too much firepower uh, for Montreal to overcome. I really do. However, if they do play each other, we haven't seen the Habs and the Leafs play Habs and the Leafs play each other in the playoffs since sometime in the seventies, believe nineteen seventy eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it would be awesome to see a Habs Leafs series go six or seven games. Maybe at that point we'll be able to have some fans in the building. I'll tell you what, I'll watch every game glued to the TV if that series goes six or seven games. That would be a lot of fun to watch. That would be a ton of fun to watch indeed. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens thus far? Yeah, I think that all these offseason acquisitions have really helped them out. I think Jake Allen is uh, wants to prove to everybody that he can still be a number one goalie. From I remember Jake Allen because he'd always give the Blackhawks fits, so I'm glad he's out of our division into into Canada's division. But yeah, I think Jake Allen is is on a prove 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 everyone wrong. I and Tyler Toffoli has great veteran leadership that we saw in the Stanley Cup runs with the Kings. And I think uh, that those two, along with the other, are really all those older veteran guys are really tutoring the young Suzuki type players, and they're really helping them out in this during this shortened season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And to be honest, I think there's a really good chance. You know, my opinion on this one, I think there's a good chance that the Canadians can make the playoffs this year, and a really good chance that they end up making it there. Maybe not even a question mark at this point. I think it's almost slowly becoming a foregone conclusion that they're going to be a team that finishes in the top four in the North division and could be a legitimate threat to other teams. Once they actually get to the playoffs, this is a team that, yeah, Jake Allen, so long as he can keep it up, that's awesome. But you know, a lot of teams are now forgetting, Oh wait, they have Carey Price, and Carey Price yeah. is going to be the other factor to this as well because Carey Price can steal games. He proved it in this past playoffs. He has stolen games away from other teams. You know they can really surprise teams. They have a legitimate tandem now in Price and in Allen. Beyond that, you're starting to get more offensive firepower. And I mentioned it in the summertime when the deal happened, Tom, you didn't necessarily like the deal when it happened when Ty don't not Ty Domi when Max Domi <laughs> left. Yeah. We're, we're stuck in the past right now, dude. But uh, when Max Domi left the Canadians and went to Columbus in exchange for Josh Anderson, I really liked the deal for the Canadians there. And I thought Josh Anderson was going to be a good get for them. And so far it's really proven to be so. And Max Domi has kind of been, he's been slow to start in Columbus so far. So, I think the Canadians for their lineup made the right deal for Josh Anderson. I think Tyler Toffoli has really exploded. Now, granted, he scored, I think, seven or eight of his nine goals against the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, so long as the Canadians keep playing the Canucks, Tyler Toffoli yeah. succeeds. So, uh, but that being said, you know, Tyler Toffoli, he's a goal scorer. He's a finisher. He's a guy that can pot at least you know, 20 goals this season. I think that is a good number to kind of bet on for Tyler Toffoli to end the season with. I think if he can get you 20 goals, I think that's going to help the Canadians make the playoffs. I think if Nick Suzuki can get 10 to 15 goals, that also helps. Uh, And solid defense all around. Jeff Petrie needs to keep up his performance. Shea Weber needs to be defensively solid for the rest of the season as well. Uh, and Alexander Romanoff, I was surprised that he can really throw his weight around with uh, with some of the bigger guys in the league. I'm really, really pleasantly surprised by how well Alexander Romanoff has transitioned to the NHL game. So it's going to be interesting to watch going forward uh, and interesting to monitor the Canadians going forward. But I think based on all three of our opinions, I think it's safe to say that we can take 
the Canadian seriously at this point. And I'm, I'm hyped to see what they can do going forward. But speaking oh, wait. of, hmm? I, we forgot to mention Jonathan Drouin too. He's, he's, uh, that's you know, he's an point. awesome player as well. That's a very fair point. Jonathan Drouin, and he's a guy that has been kind of quiet the past number of years. And he's always been a guy that has been so talented, but just never yeah. found the right fit with teams. And now he's finally found his way with the Canadians and he's always been super talented. And if he's a guy that can also, you know, get you, you know, between 30 to 40 points this season, that's going to be the difference maker as well for the Canadians and good catch on your part, Tyler, truly. And, uh, like I said, I think it's time that we start taking the Canadians seriously. And with that said, it's time to move on to other teams that we like around the league. And maybe for me, a team that I have a bone to pick with at the moment. But we're going to start with some good stuff first. It's time for our weekly fan corners, which Tyler, we're adding you into the mix on this one. So for oh, those good. of you that uh <laughs> for those of you that already know. I am a diehard Devils fan to my detriment. Tom is a diehard Rangers fan to his detriment. And Tyler is a diehard Blackhawks fan, probably to his detriment this season, at least. Yeah. But <laughs> so it's time for us to talk about what our favorite teams did this past week, what we've liked, what we didn't necessarily like. So, Tom, it's time to enter the Rangers realm. You have the floor, sir. Thank you very much. Well, since my rant last week, the Rangers played two games. The Rangers won both games. They beat a very good team in the Capitals, and they beat I – don't, I don't know what to call Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh's sort of a team that's in neutral. They don't have a GM. They don't know what direction they want to go. They're kind of just there. They're there, but the Rangers beat them. You know, I know I sound like a broken record here, but, man, what more can you say about our Teddy Panarin yet again? Really leading that team out there. Really being the player that – He's earning those $11 million a year. He's earning that. He's being the best player on the ice every night. Artemi Panarin, again, broken record, but, man, I can't stop talking about him. Um, to move it on to a fellow countryman of his, on Thursday night, Igor Shesterkin really looked like he finally was ready to play again, looked like he was the Igor of last year. And if he keeps this up, watch out, because if Igor finds his form again, which I think he will, that's another problem that a lot of other teams are going to have. He was letting in some easy goals. He was letting in some cheap goals. But I'll tell you what, man, he looked on the money Thursday night. So watch out for Igor Shesterkin. He keeps it up. Um, another couple guys who are contributing right now, Ryan Strom, two goals Thursday night, almost had the hat trick. Botched an empty netter. What are you going to do? Pavel Buchnevich wound up uh, getting the empty netter instead. Chris Kreider, another one. I wasn't necessarily happy with him returning. I wasn't necessarily happy with the contract. But you know what? He's contributing. He's contributing on power play, scoring goals here and there, chipping in. Um, but one guy I'm going to talk about right now is one of his linemates, Nika Zibanejad. They need a little more from him. They need probably a lot more from him. The guy was a borderline 50-goal scorer last year. He probably could have had 50 had he not been hurt. The season got shut down. He's got one goal in 10 games right now. That's not good enough. For a guy who's a number one center, for a guy who proved he's a point-per-game guy last year, one goal in 10 games is just not good enough. They need more from him, but at the same time, as a fan of the team and as a somebody who wants them to do better, if he hasn't done it in a year, it might be beneficial as well as contract is up soon. And if his contract is up soon and he has a bad year, the money he may be demanding might not be as much as he would have if he had a year that he was expected to have. Um, another guy I want to touch on is our number one overall draft pick, Alexi Lafreniere. A lot of people jumping on him, calling him a bust. Some guy with who seemed really smart said, oh, they should have drafted Stutz if Stutz has three goals and Lafreniere does it, only has one. Chill out with that, man. You know, he hasn't had a lot of time to prepare. He's only played 10 games now. 
in another season when we play 10 games, you know, some of those games are preseason games, some of those games are regular season games. He's really in a regular season would have maybe owned this would have been like a five-game mark for him. So a lot of positives from him in that third period against Washington. He was carrying the puck, was trying to get in the perimeters again. He's getting bounced up and down the lineup, which I'm not too big on, but at the same time, I understand why Quinn has to do it. It's not like he's in the same situation as Kirill Kaprasov or Tim Stutzler, where, you know, it's pretty much art. It's pretty much, okay, here you go, go out there and play. He's got a lot of guys ahead of him that he's got to prove that he's better than. You know, but I saw a lot of positives Thursday night from him and hopefully he can build on it. Another guy I want to touch on is Kako Kako. You know, Quinn really, really dropped the ball with him last week, but I like what he did with him Thursday. He was giving him was giving him top six ice time. He was really contributing out there with Stroman Panarin. Had an assist, played great in all three zones, and I'm happy. He's finally getting the top six ice time he deserves, and I'm hoping that he can build off of this. And to end this right now with a win tonight versus those dreaded New York Islanders, if the Rangers can beat them. They are in a playoff spot. Obviously still early, but something positive, you know? Absolutely. There's a lot to look forward to right now for, uh, for the Rangers right now, especially in the East and, you know, who they've been facing lately. I think any team facing the Islanders right now, it's uh, erratically win or loss. It's tough to predict the Islanders on a nightly basis at the moment. I mean, at least on my end. But that was Tom's Rangers realm. It's time to check the temperature in Tyler's Blackhawks balcony right now. So, Tyler, you have the floor talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh yeah. Hey, welcome everybody. Um, what can I say? The Blackhawks are five, four and four. They're above 500 after a slow start and they're, they're doing pretty well. This, they did pretty well this, this week and they goaltending was okay. Kevin Lincoln has really been a savior on their, from their goaltending. Their defense is still lets in too many goals in my opinion, but we've seen more help for Patrick Kane and, and we see Donnelly Kubalik be out there making making things happen on the ice. And Alex Debrick had scored a goal yesterday. So, you know, we're starting to see that our offense start scoring goals. And and this is with the absence of, you know, the captain is not there right now, Jonathan Taves. And Kirby Doc is not going to be back for a while so we really need these this forward group to to do to make progress to and keep scoring goals and the defense we need Adam Boquist to come back and start playing better he's really been struggling and Ian Mitchell has been playing very well for just being a rookie uh, we have no Seabrook so hopefully Seabrook could come back at some point but I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Connor Murphy has been playing better, and Duncan Keith is uh, Duncan Keith is our guy, and and he really is playing still wonderful hockey. Um, I, you know, we've we, the number one goalie situation has been solved with Kevin Lankinen, but his backup goalie with Malcolm Subban is, and the other and uh, the other two goalies basically have not been performing very well. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got so far. I think they've, I didn't think they were going to be terrible, but I just, I don't know if this is a playoff team right now. So we'll have to see how they grow as a team this year. It's tough to say. I mean, I think the fact that the Blackhawks are above 500 is certainly exceeding any expectations that anybody had for Chicago this season. And it's certainly rough, you know, with the, with the, all the players that they have missing right now, you know, you've got basically your core missing at the moment and Patrick Kane having to do a lot of things by himself. But that being said, Strom has been a good player so far uh, for the Blackhawks. 
Duncan Keith hasn't lost, you know, as big a step as many people thought. And, you know, the Blackhawks are still playing decent hockey and playing better than some other teams, you know, playing certainly better than the Ottawa Senators, who, who was a team that I actually had pegged as the team that could surprise and, uh, uh, fans out there but unfortunately they've kind of surprised in the wrong way unfortunately yeah. so you know certainly thank you for your thoughts on the blackhawks and now it's time to go over to my den my devil's den which i'm gonna address the elephant in the room right now i'm not wearing a devil's jersey this week i kind of refused because you know what battle of alberta first win by calgary on that one that's why i'm wearing this tonight <laughs> but i got a real bone to pick with the devil's organization right now i really do i'm sorry the Devils need to be reprimanded hard. They need to be made an example of. They undersold their COVID outbreak to the league. They still played in Buffalo last weekend, despite having a COVID outbreak. And now not only do the Devils have players that are infected, but now Buffalo is infected. And that's just not right. That's not right. You have to take this all seriously. You have to take this protocol seriously. You have to take this disease seriously. And shame on the Devils for their poor handling of this situation. I am beyond pissed at this. The league should consider making an actual example out of the Devils organization. I'm not saying like penalty of picks. I'm not saying anything like that. But if you're going to fine Washington $100,000 for breaking their COVID protocol, where's the fine for the New Jersey Devils right now? You have 19 players on COVID protocol and you've had 15 plus players in the past week and a half on COVID protocol. Something needs to be done. Something actually needs to be put in place. Now, yes, sure. You have a couple players that are on COVID protocol because of particular situations. Connor Carrick is on there right now because he had to go back home for the birth of his child. So he doesn't necessarily have COVID, but he had to be placed on protocol. Aaron Dell is also another player that's on COVID protocol because he had to make the travel from Canada to New Jersey. He's another player that got placed on COVID protocol. Sammy Votnin is another player that got placed on that COVID protocol as well because he had to travel all the way from Europe all, all the way over here. So that way he could play for the Devils, which I don't know. Right now he could be regretting that decision. I'm not really too sure, but it's... It's not good right now for the Devils. I want to be here talking about the things that are positive right now for the Devils. And it's tough. It's really tough to do that this week. I am, I can't undersell how upset I am with the organization for how poorly they've handled the situation. We were making fun of Dallas a couple weeks ago for how poorly they handled their situation. And you know what? I got to play it fair. I'm not going to be a biased Devils fan and say that, oh, you know, this is okay, whatever. You know, it's all different excuses. No, this is horrible. This is terrible. They are probably the worst team that has handled, handled this entire situation, and it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to New Jersey. It's an embarrassment to the rest of the league that this has happened and it has now affected other teams within the league. And to hammer it home, the league needs to do something about this. And if they're going to sit there and be complacent about it, it's not going to look good for the rest of the league. They're trying to you know, clean things up. And I think a lot of these you know, cleanups that we talked about in the beginning of the show is specifically because of the outbreak with the Devils right now, because of how bad it got. And it's still continuing to be with games being delayed. So it's a situation that's going to be monitored. I have a feeling that I won't even be talking about games next week because they're delayed now until the at least the 16th, I think. So I guess we're just going to have to see what ends up happening, which means we're going to miss on another Devils-Rangers matchup there, Tom. So yeah, unfortunately, I was looking forward to watching it on, on Saturday just because I pretty much had nothing else to do. I mean, I 
popped on the Habs and Sens game just so I could brush up for this week. So maybe that was a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Could it's unfortunate what's happening. You know, it really yeah. is with them. They should. I. And the funny part is that the Devils have always been one of the more responsible organizations in the league. So to do this, it shows that maybe this isn't the Lou Lamorello Devils of the old. This is just a just really irresponsible of them. This is the a different a different management. I have a funny feeling that if maybe if Lou were in charge there, it would have been different. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. Maybe he would have. You know, he would have, he would have stuck to the protocol the way Lou Lamorello was the way I've heard about you know, about the person he was, whether it be people who played for him or whether it be through that great Brian Burke book that I plugged weeks and weeks ago. You know, who knows? I know what you mean, but it's going to be a situation that we monitor over the course of the week, and certainly I will be plugging things on Twitter. Not to shamelessly uh, plug uh, Twitter once again down there. You know, it's just right down there if you want to drop a follow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. So anyway. So we'll get rid of that, wipe that away. So now we're going to be moving on to some general thoughts. I want to be happy again. So let's be happy right now. Let's talk about some general NHL weekly thoughts from this past week. Uh, Tom, what was something that uh, stuck out to you this week? Austin Matthews, man. I mean, what more can you say about this guy? Two goals Saturday night against Vancouver. I watched that game, man. And he just, I mean, he made it look easy. He made it look like, I mean, he made it look like everybody else was a, was a bender and he was the best player on the ice. What more can you say about this kid? You know, and from what we're talking about for next year, what they're talking about now with the Olympics, um, they were hinting, you know, with Doug Armstrong being, being named General Manager Canada, that the pros are going to be back. I mean, as U.S. fans, as I'm assuming we all are, with Austin Matthews as our first line center, you got to be a little bit excited for that. He may be a Leaf. Uh, you guys may not like the Leafs, but you're also American. He's number one, being a number one center for Team USA in the Olympics next year. I mean, come on, that'd be amazing. Uh, you know, the Leafs are number one in the league right now. Everyone says, oh, you know, it's the same old Leafs. It's the same old Leafs. They'll screw it up. They'll screw it up. Well, there's one factor there that's not there anymore. That's Mike Babcock. And I sang Sheldon Keefe's praises, and I'm still going to sing his praises until they screw up, whether they find a way to screw up or they don't screw up. I really like how he has him playing. I really like how he's utilizing all four lines. Jason Spence scored a hat trick the other night. He's a fourth liner. I mean, come on. But I Can think I have it on that one real quick? So fun fact about Jason Spezza. This was a fun fact I read this past week, and I just found this one amazing. So Jason Spezza is the third oldest player in the league. And to kind of give perspective on how old he really is, he uh, played in the OHL in 1999. Do you know who the player of the year in the OHL was that year? Uh, I, you know what? I Somebody popped in my head, but it's a wrong league. It, the guy I was thinking of playing the WHL. His head coach, Sheldon Keefe. Was the player oh of the year God. in the OHL that year? <laughs> Just to put into perspective how old Jason Spezza is playing in the NHL right now, Sheldon Keefe was the player of the year in the OHL that year, and he's now his head coach. So. I know, and Joe Thornton, who's play also playing for him, is older than he is. It's but, wild, uh, man. They've got a wild mix of ages, but it's nuts. And yeah, I agree. I think Austin Matthews is the real deal right now. I think he could be a legitimate hard candidate right now. Tyler, what was something that stuck out to you this past week in the NHL? Uh. I'm gonna go with Jonathan Hubero and his five point night against the against the Nashville Predators. He just scored goals with ease that night and the but it's just tough it's a tough break that he got the loss in the in that in his five point night though, with the hat trick and two assists. Yeah, he was impressive and he's been impressive for the past couple of years. He's a guy that's always flown under the radar. Just specifically yeah. because he's played for the Florida Panthers and it's it's unfortunate but now the Panthers actually look like they actually could be a legitimate you know team at the moment they actually have hockey players and everything now so you know could actually do something now but yeah, yeah. Humberto, holy moly like how good has he been lately that that yeah, five point night incredible. Was stellar 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 my <laughs> highlight is unfortunately another 
you know, unfortunate thing, oh, not, not to continue being mad, but uh, what the heck is going on with officiating lately? Like, you had a crucial non-goal that should have been counted in the Carolina-Columbus matchup, and it's led to a lot of talk around the league. I mean, officiating has been rough lately. I was watching an Arizona game a couple days ago. I can't, I can't remember who Arizona was playing, but it was some of the worst and softest officiating that I have seen in a while. And I don't know what their evaluation system in officiating is in the NHL. It's kind of an unspoken thing. It's a kind of fly-by under the radar uh, type of deal, but... I wish that was public so that way we knew how these officials were being graded because, man, there have been some soft calls lately, and it's been, you know, one after the other, I feel like. In every game I've watched, there's at least been one soft call a game. I'm hoping that changes soon. That Maybe that might be something I highlight in the coming weeks. We'll see. That could be just a spoiler for a couple weeks from now. We'll see. But to wrap things up for today, it's time for our weekly segment, our question of the week. To explain this, as I always do, I'll usually pop onto Twitter and Facebook and ask our general public, what's a question that you have in the NHL for this week? And if you're lucky, your comment could be highlighted in a future NHL video, which today our question comes from Kevin. And the question is, how bad will this pause in the season hurt the devils now kevin that's a good question as much as i want to rain on the devil's parade even more and even more and even more yes i am a diehard fan of the devils but like i said before i'm also you know not very biased i am going to play devil's advocate here and i actually think that the pause is actually going to do the devil some good you know yes it can hurt momentum and the devils were on a big tear before their COVID break, their fourth line was among the best in the entire league with Miles Wood, Nathan Bastian, and Michael McLeod. They were among some of the best in the entire league. But here's the thing. This pause also gives the Devils the chance to come back fully healthy and with a fully healthy lineup that should have rolled out on opening night. There is the possibility that Nico Heischer comes back next week. So instead of only of missing 15 to 20 games, he's only going to miss about 10, which is... Really, really good for the Devils. You end up getting Nico Heischer for more games to help you potentially be a spoiler in the East right now. It also allows Sammy Votnin and Aaron Dell to clear COVID protocol, but then again, it also allows the rest of the team to clear COVID protocol right now. So, you know, everybody needs to clear it, but it also gives more opportunity so that way Aaron Dell and Sammy Votnin can play more games than they would have. Um, Tom and Tyler, I'll give your chance to re, uh, rebut right now. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, I mean, it could definitely give the Devils a chance to get completely healthy, and then they could gain a lot of momentum by being actually healthy and all and all kicking on all cylinders. But then again, all this break that they had could, you know, very much hurt their potential to to be where they want to be as far as go to the playoffs and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's true. Tom, what are your thoughts? While I agree with that they can get very healthy, um, a limiting factor right now is that this year, as we all know, you're only playing games in your division. From what the East is stacking up like, it looks like your top three is probably going to be D.C., Boston, and Philly in any order. Uh, flip a coin, draw some cards, throw some stuff at the wall. We don't know how that's going to finish. But I got a, I got a pretty good feeling that that's probably going to be your top three. So now you're pretty much battling for that last playoff spot. You also have teams like the Rangers. The Rangers, I'm not too the Rangers for them, but they look good against Washington on Thursday night. They may be finally finding their stride. You have Pittsburgh, who's sort of a team. They're kind of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right now. But, you know, 
if they get that Mr. Hyde going and they start playing well, you got to worry about them. You know, you have the Islanders. The Islanders are always a team that's there. You know, you, you never know what they're going to do. You have all these teams now who are going to keep playing games. You have the Devils who are going to they're going to be healthy, but they're not going to be caught up to speed with everyone else. And like I had mentioned earlier, you're going to get to the end of the season where these other teams that they're going to be fighting for that playoff spot against are going to be well rested, or they're going to maybe have to be playing, say, three and five nights, five and seven nights. You know, you pretty much get, understand what I'm getting at here. And, you know, with so many games being played in such a short amount of time, it may very well hinder them. All these guys are talking about being healthy. Well, for one guy being healthy, it could easily be if Nico Hishier's healthy. It could easily be that you go into the end of that season and Jack Hughes gets hurt. You know, your goaltending, you know, you could have so many problems with that. So it, it really is a slippery slope. It lets them get healthy, yes, but there's going to be so much congestion towards the end. It may not be beneficial for them. It may allow for more injuries. And it also may allow, you know, and it also allows these other teams in the division who are going to be battling for that last spot. They're going to, it's allowing them to play a little more games, allowing them to maybe find their game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a 50, 50 thing right here. It's like a six and one half dozen in the other, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this pays off for the devil. But Kevin, if you're listening to us, thank you so much for your question. That was a very good question to wrap this up for this week. And what are your guys' thoughts on everything we covered this week? Should we take the Canadians seriously? You know, will the Rangers momentum continue? Will the Blackhawks momentum continue? And will the rain continue for New Jersey? Or should I say the snow in New Jersey continue, which we know it's sadly going to. So yeah, it could end up being a rough week for the devils this week, but we will just have to see, but you can always, you know, check and see how we're doing and make sure you follow us. At our website, iadsports.com. If you're still looking for that perfect Valentine's Day present, maybe you should head up our shop and maybe find that perfect gift for your significant other. We have beanies, we've got shirts, we've got sweatshirts, we've got all you want right now. So make sure you hit up our shop at i80sports.com and make sure you also hit us up on Twitter at i80 underscore sports NHL. And you can follow us there for all of your weekly NHL coverage as well. But I also want to take the time to also thank our special guest this week, Tyler. Tyler, remind everybody at home where we can find you on Twitter, bro. Uh, at Bleacher Mob Takes. That's Sounds it. Good. Sounds good. Make sure you guys right. follow him on Twitter. Tyler, thank you so much for being our special guest hey, this past thanks week. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I've been Brian. He's been Tom. As always, this has been I-80 Sports. <laughs>